Awesome. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. My name is Josh from Solopreneur Grind. This is episode 66 of the Solopreneur Grind podcast. I am here live, if you are joining us live, with David Holland from ResultsRulesOK.com. David, really appreciate you coming on the show today. My pleasure. Thank you. Good thanks for the invite and uh, best wishes from sunny France where we're based. That's great. And I'm really excited because you have a big bookshelf. I have a big bookshelf. I have a feeling that'll lead to some really good conversations. Uh, David, can you tell us a little bit about who you are? So at the moment, uh, we run, and I say we as a family business, we run our coaching and training business and language training business out of Luxembourg. We have offices in Lux and over in the UK. Um, my background, I was a, an engineer when I started out and I worked my way through uh, corporate, if you like. And then we started this business Gosh, 2003 we first started in the UK and then we've taken it on a bit of a path and now we've been in France for, uh, for 10 years now. Very cool and, and I'll quickly date the episode. So it is April 23rd, so we're in the midst of this COVID situation. Can you talk uh, quickly a little bit about what it's like in France right now? Well, for, <laughs> fortunately the weather is gorgeous. Uh, it's a bit <laughs> of blue sky and sunshine, 24 degrees. Uh, but we are on full lockdown, and uh, to, so we're working from home. This is the, the home office, and um, we've got we have to have forms. Actually, I'm just very quickly. I was just, there's a form I have to fill in if I go across the border into Luxembourg or go oh, to wow. the shops or anything like that. It's pretty strict over here. But we're, they're thinking about another two weeks. They're going to start relaxing the uh, the restrictions a bit, and we can begin to get back to some sort of normality. Got it. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it goes without saying that it's some, some crazy times that we're going through. So, David, let's, uh, I'm really interested to hear about your, your long and, and illustrious career. Can you tell us a little bit about how it started, like out of whether it was high school or university or, or kind of what was the, uh, let's call it first uh, step or, or first part of your career? I, I left school at 15 with, with zero qualifications and nothing oh, wow. pretty much, um, mainly because I was due to go into the family business. That was my, uh, my dad had a number of shops. So my future was due to be go into the family business and uh, off we go. But then I got to about the age of 14 and he turned around and said, well, the family business won't sustain you. You're going to have to go and get yourself a job. But it was too late to catch up on my education then. So I left school with pretty much nothing. And I went into engineering. I got an apprenticeship. Uh, so my, technically, I'm a weapons engineer um, for Royal Ordnance in the UK. And uh, I, you know, we were working on rifles, assault weapons and machine guns, that type of thing, testing and developing for the British military. So I'm an engineer by training. That's where we started off. And uh, I fell into various jobs and careers from logistics and transport distribution, um, aviation. I spent a long time at, at night school catching up on all the stuff I didn't do at school as well. And then finally, the, the first business we ever ran or started, my wife and I, was actually um, a recruitment and transport business, a warehousing company in the middle of the UK. Um, it, it was okay. We, we, we built it, we got it going, it was trading well, making a profit. But we, we just hated it. It was just not a great business. Long hours, you know, we didn't see each other. It was not a great business. So we, we got rid of that. And then we um, came into the, the coaching training business. And that was back at the end of, say, 2002. So my career was very varied from, you know, a dressmaking company I ran through to an aviation business at Heathrow Airport to various things, which, which in hindsight was all like the, 
the training or the apprenticeship to do and you know, run our own company anyway. Right. And what was it that sparked that very first business that you started with your wife? I think it was, I think it's probably, I guess for a lot of people as well, it was, I didn't like my boss. I just didn't <laughs> like working for this, this guy. Uh, I wasn't enjoying the job. I didn't have a lot of freedom and independence. And it was this sort of entrepreneurial seizure, I suppose, that we all have at some, some point. You know what? We'll do it ourselves. I can make a better job of it. I'll do it ourselves and away we go. So it was really a, a getting away from the the job rather than getting into business i suppose was the was the objective which we did right it was, yeah, it was pretty tough to start off with right and you said that first business was you know profitable success uh, excuse me successful what do you think that you did that that led to that because you know starting your first business and 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 getting it to profitability is you know goes without saying very difficult and, and an accomplishment in and of itself uh, what was that like the the first, you know, especially when you first started out on your own or, or the two of you, what was it like and, and what do you think it was that led to the success? I think it was, I think it was our tenacity, uh, just the throwing effort and time at it. So we, we had the transport side of the business, we had three warehouses, we had about 25 vehicles running all the time. So if a driver didn't turn up or went sick, then I would jump in the vehicle and I'd drive the van or the truck. And if another one went sick, then Lynn would jump in the truck and she'd drive up to mm -hmm. Scotland and back down. Or it was just literally all hands to the pump. And so we, we sort of, we kept it going out of just grim determination, really. Mm -hmm. um, and it, yeah, it wasn't that bad. It was okay. But it was all encompassing, hard slog. You know, then you find out people don't pay you on time and then we had a fuel shortage. We couldn't get diesel for the vans. And it was it was a tough old business. But I think it was, in answer to your question, I think it was just that tenacity. I wasn't prepared to let it go and not only fail, but I didn't want to lose it. We would put our heart and soul into it. And uh, we wanted to make it work, not just for us, but for our, we had a big team. We had about 50 guys working with us. Oh, wow. So we had a big team and we wanted to make it work for those guys as well. So we did it just out of just determination, really, I think. Got it. And then, so what was the tipping point when you decided to move on or, or did you sell it or, or did you just close it down? Like, what was that transition? We, we, we transitioned, we, we sold it over to some other, other shareholders we had in the business. We decided to leave and move on. We transitioned it over to them. Uh, I think the, the, the tipping point was just the, this never ending, um, no way through it being, ever being a really, nice, gentle, exciting company. We were working, the clients, it's, you know, transport's a tough business to be in, if you like. The clients weren't very friendly. Um, mm. Some of the drivers weren't very friendly. And it just didn't really, it didn't sit with us in terms of our values and standards, I suppose. So we just didn't like it. We fell out of love with it. I think that was the thing. And that was, it took us about three or four years to get to that point. So it wasn't, you know, it was reasonably long term. But right. we just, we, we, we sat down actually, over a glass of wine, the two of us, we've been, we've been together since when I was 15. And uh, we just said, well, what do, we, what do we want? And we literally wrote down what we wanted to do, which was you know, work with decent, like-minded people, travel the world, enjoy what we did, you know, work in a business that was more intellectually based than just hard graph based, wrote this list down. And then when we came into this business, it, it ticked all those sort of boxes. So it was really that deciding what we wanted was the key rather than what we didn't want not working for the boss. We mm -hmm. actually figured out this is what we do want. And then it started to make a bit of sense. 
Right. And, and I mean, that's a great lesson and activity in and of itself right, right there to, to sit down with yourself or if you have a partner or a business partner or anything like that, uh, super, super important. And so you decide you're ready to move on. You write down this list of what you want to do next. And then, and then what? It was really, really strange because we had the, the transport company and uh, back then we were working with fax machines <laughs> and a fax came through and he said, uh, dear Mr. Holland, we've, we've, we've been watching your career with interest, whoever that, whatever that means, and mm. we think you'd make a great business coach and uh, you know, because business coaches do this, they do that. And the, the facts that came through listed down a number of things that we'd written on our dream board, if you like, or the to-do list. Mm-hmm. And it was actually a franchise company, and uh, called, back then it was called Action International. Back then, I think it was. And I went back home with this list and said, "Dylan, look, I have this fax come through. You know, what do you think?" And so we met with these franchise guys, and uh, it ticked a few boxes. It seemed to make a lot of sense. So that's when we sold the transport company and we bought the franchise. So we bought a business coaching franchise, oh, and wow. uh, I went off to Australia on training and came back as a a bright, shiny business coach. That's where it all started back in early 2003. Wow. That, like, it, it's almost weird that when you do start taking some steps towards finding what should be the next step, how sometimes it's just dumb luck, right? A, a fax comes through, the right email, the right, you meet the right person at a, at a networking event or, or whatever, whatever. Absolutely. Um, I think if, we, if we hadn't written that, if we hadn't done that list, when that fax came in, I would have just shredded it. It was just mm-hmm. another the marketing piece, just got rid of it. But there was something on it. It just resonated with what we'd done within like two weeks, literally within right. two weeks, this thing popped up. Now, I don't know whether I'd had that fax before and just ignored it. I have no idea. But when we got it, we sat and went through it and uh, we made a sort of joint decision to do it and off we went. So that's, that's when it started. Right. Very cool. Okay. So, so you go to Australia, you get this training, you're getting some of that travel in, of course, uh, you come back and then how do you, like, how do you start a, a business coaching business or consulting business? <laughs> well, back, so again, this is back then it was before social media. It was really to do with um, getting out there and doing networking as, as you would mm-hmm. do now. I mean, I think the, the people online, you and I speaking now, we're live, we're going to be recorded, we've got LinkedIn and all this thing, all good. I still think there's a real place for meeting people, when we can get out of the bunker, you know, Mm -hmm. physical networking, meeting, greeting, being visible, getting on stage. And that's what I did. I went to breakfast meetings. Uh, I was only a size 10 when we started this business. (laughs) (laughs) More breakfast than I care to consider. But I built a a network and some credibility, and we did some seminars and some workshops and I'd speak anywhere, you know, get me on stage, I'll speak anywhere. And gradually we started to meet people who said, yeah, we like what you do. Can you come and help us? Mm-hmm. And away we go. And we've continued doing that. So I think anybody, even if you're starting out now, I mean, yes, to social media, but also, you know, go, go to some breakfast events, chamber events, whatever it is, get visible, shake a few hands when we're allowed to shake hands again. Mm-hmm maybe fist bump, whatever it is going to be in the future. <laughs> but you know, get visible. And, and that's what we did. It was hugely active and um, it, it worked. It did turn through well. Yeah, that seems like such a key for so many business owners. No, like no matter what you're doing or what niche you're in, I, I totally uh, agree that being in person with people at events, at breakfast, it's, you know, 
we can try and replace as much as that as we can with technology, but it, it, it's just not the same at the end of the day. Uh, David, what was it that you were kind of focused on at the beginning or, or specifically talking about? Like if people wanted you to give talks, like did you have a niche? Were you focusing on specific types of businesses? Like, and, and what, was, like what was kind of your positioning? I, I started off by talking about you know, how to make sales and uh, leadership and all this sort of thing. And that was, but there's a, there's a huge amount of people out there doing that. Mm-hmm. And I went to a, a conference and uh, I think it was in Portugal or something. And there's a guy on stage and he was talking about him and his dad, uh, his childhood. And I thought, wow, that's an unusual take to do at a conference presentation. I, I, I saw him for lunch. And I said to him, why did you do that? He said, because that's the only thing I've got that's unique to me. Nobody else can have that story. Mm. It's mine. I thought, wow. So when I got back in the answer to your question, I started telling my story. And, you know, from leaving school and going down to London, I, was, I ended up sleeping on trains and all sorts of bizarre sort of stuff. And uh, that story that I had hidden away for so long actually became compelling to people. They wanted to know more how we did it and all this sort of thing. And I realized that if I was more honest and open about my, my background, my story and all the things we'd done, that was the most compelling thing. So when I was doing my talks and presentations, I, I can talk about sales and leadership and all this sort of thing, but a lot of people can do that. But when I tell my story, you know, what's and all, all the good and the bad and the ugly, that was the most compelling thing. And that's what attracted people towards. So really it was just telling about my journey and what we'd done, how we got here, how we fell over. And that became part of our sort of branding, I guess, to an extent. Yeah. And and it it indirectly is, well, or even directly that is sales advice, right? Because as a company and, and many companies fail to do this is tell your story, right? Who are the people that started it? How did they do it? Um, that's part of why I even started this podcast, right? Because there are people like you and me and, and, and the dozens of others of people who I've spoken to who are successful solopreneurs and have all gotten to where we are totally different ways and places and industries and stuff like that. I mean, humans love stories, right? So, so that, that's, uh, that's really cool. So how long would you say it took to kind of we'll call it get off the ground and, and I'll kind of let you define get off the ground. Cause we, you know, everyone has their kind of different levels, you know, definition for that. But where I'm getting at with this is how tough was it for how long to kind of get the, the business, your coaching business off the ground? It was, it was tough actually. You know, in hindsight, it was tough. The, the, the UI took, I think a lot of people when they go, they start in business I think you know, job number one or job number one for me was to get back to earning what I was earning when we had our own company the time around before because mm-hmm. life was good and money wise it was okay. So that was job number one, get the salary back. Mm-hmm. It took me, I think now, about nine months, uh, even within a franchise structure because you know, we were finding our way and learning about ourselves as well. Right. And uh, when I, when it clicked, what, what I realized was I can sell transport i can sell aviation i can sell you know, i can do this sort of thing because i was selling myself as the i'm the guy who's going to turn up and do this sort of thing that was quite a challenge to me so i had to go through that process of that you know self-confidence self-belief and able to promote and present myself mm-hmm. so it took about nine months and i, I remember we had a, a conference within the franchise in in hawaii which was oh wow some exotic place we, we had about i think we had about five thousand pounds left in the in the account and we either stay in the uk and you know 
live for a bit longer or we spend the five grand and go to conference. So I said, let's just blow it. Let's go to, let's go to conference. Mm-hmm. And I met a couple of people there within the franchise and had a similar journey that I had had, struggling to get sales, couldn't really make it. They were really having a tough time, but they'd broken through. And all they said was, have that confidence in yourself. You know, when you're meeting with people, they buy you. They don't, they, they don't buy the franchise, which I'm going to listen to this, but they buy you first and the franchise second not the other way around. I think that's a, a message for a lot of us is we have to have that confidence that we are the product. And when we have that confidence and certainty, not the high levels of arrogance, but you know, confidence to be able to pitch and present and promote ourselves and talk about money and pricing, that's when it changed for me. When we got back from Hawaii, it started to yeah, take off. So it took about nine, maybe 12 months. Mm-hmm. And since then it's been, yeah, it's gone well. Awesome. And can you explain, I mean, this is a bit of a, I guess it's a broad question, but how has the business transitioned over the last, gosh, I mean, like it's, you're what, 17 years now. Has, has there been a lot of change? Do you kind of still focus on the core businesses or, or service offerings that you were focused on back then? It, it has its changed. I think the technology has certainly changed. The delivery of the product has changed. So mm-hmm. most of my work now is done like this, sat on a screen talking to people all over the world. That's right. certainly changed. I think the social media pressures have changed on companies and businesses now. Um, we have this thing called personal branding now, which we didn't have back in the day. Right. So there's a different emphasis now of how we promote and present ourselves. But fundamentally, I think most people in business, and certainly the people that I, I sort of work with, if you like, they just want to have a nice life. You know, they don't want to become Bill Gates or anything like that. They want to have a nice life, have some, you know, have weekends off pay the mortgage, get the credit card down and, and just have a, d- a decent, nice life and enjoy the ride. That really hasn't changed. Then the methods of getting there have changed to a certain extent. But fundamentally, I think people want to just enjoy the ride more. And you know, it's, they do want to make some more money, but it's never really, the people don't do it for money. I don't think, I don't do this for the money. I mm-hmm. do it because I love it. I want to, you know, it, it, it feeds me energy. The money is a consequence of it, but no, that, so the principles haven't changed, but maybe the delivery side has to a degree. Got it. And I know a lot of people are very interested these days in, in coaching and business consulting and all that type of stuff, uh, myself included. Can you talk about when you first started? And, and I mean, I've seen your website, so I kind of know what a lot of the service offerings and products you have look like now, but when you first started, what exactly was it that you were selling? Was it hourly consulting? Was it monthly packages? You know, I'm I'm interested to hear about that. And then how has that changed uh, over time? It it started out being um, a monthly package uh, or a number of coaching sessions and that type of thing to start off with. And it became almost like an hourly rate relationship when it first started out, Mm -hmm. which I never felt particularly comfortable with. Um, but now it, it's moved now into more of a program. So if I look at the, sort of typical the work that I do from a coaching perspective, the people we work with, we tend to attract people that are like us, you know, they're family businesses, they're ambitious, all this sort of thing. And I just say, look, we'll work together. We don't have a contract, <laughs> whether we should or not, I don't know. We just work together on a normal on a weekly basis for as long as it takes for them to get what they want or they sell the business, whatever it is. And then it can come to a natural end. But we know we've had clients now with us for, gosh, eight, 10 years, 15 years. Some people from the, from the old mm-hmm. days in the UK as well. And it, it has changed a little bit. I avoid hourly rate. And I recommend anybody 
doing either consulting or coaching, avoid hourly rate pricing um, and look at more of a long-term relationship program perspective because that's sure. where we get the best, I think the best value for the clients. And I, I don't tell a number of days or a number of hours anymore. It's just we work together, we do whatever it takes uh, to help them you know, get the results they want. So it's a bit more relaxed in a program perspective now. Uh, but it seems to work better. I'm, I'm more comfortable with it. The clients seem to appreciate it better. And uh, it's more of a long-term, you know, the, 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 the money, if you like, or the, the value in this business is not from selling five hours of coaching. It's from having a, a five-year relationship with people in the long-term, in my opinion. Got it. So are you selling in, in chunks, like, like quarters in six-month periods? Like, is, is that kind of how you, is it monthly? Or? It's just month-to-month. Month. We, we, we okay. It's a rolling month-to-month month program, so we sort of right. keep on going. We do work in night-to-day sprints, so I will put a, a night-to-day plan together based on their five-year vision, if you like. Mm-hmm. What, what do we need to do this year? What's this quarter look like? And we're pretty tight on you know, targets, goals, and objectives, and we work through it. And uh, we, we apply a bit of positive heat to people to increase the pace and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But I suppose it, it's, an, it's an, a rolling 90-day program, I guess, is what it really is. But with a key yeah. emphasis on, you know, I'm pretty clear that people have got to be better off as a consequence of working with me than they have without. Because nobody wants to hire a coach. Nobody wants an accountant. They don't want a coach. They don't want a mentor. What they want is the... The outcome they want the, the benefit that they mm-hmm. derive as a consequence of being with us so what i focus on hence the name of the company is the results bit we focus on the outcomes and providing the outcome is higher value than the, the investment they make then no life's good they stay with us and, uh, and away we go got it yeah that makes a ton of sense and and going back to the name results so you've definitely explained the results part where does the rules come in? What, what is, uh, how does that fit into the picture? It was, it's something we were sat in a little cafe in, in we live in Metz in a, in a city in France and sat there Lynn and I told what we call this company. We knew results was a good thing to have. Mm-hmm. We knew that there were like to be some rules and principles around achieving results. And we know there's some basic rules we should follow in terms of mindset and business. And okay, there's a couple of words there we can play with. And we were driving back from the, the cafe and there's a bridge, a big railway bridge. And somebody had written on it in English, bizarrely, there's not many English people here. And they'd written, sprayed on this bridge, uh, Mets, so the name of the city, Mets, rules okay. And I thought, that's it, that'd be great. So we had results, rules, and then we put the okay bit on at the end. It was just a bit of graffiti on a bridge. And, uh, but yeah. also it sits well because it was, the, it was unique from a URL perspective, nobody else had got it. And um, people always ask, well, you know, they ask the question, where did it come from? So it, it engages in a conversation. But it was really yeah, results and the rules and the okay bit was for a bit of graffiti to be spotted on, on a bridge in France. <laughs> would not have guessed that. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, uh, very cool. So, David, what would you, if someone came to you today and said, hey, I'm, you know, I'm looking at breaking into coaching, consulting, you know, I want to help business owners. Yeah. What are maybe two or three pieces of advice you would tell them from the outset? I think be really clear on who it is you want to work with. Who's your target niche uh, person, individual? Uh, a lot of coaches come into, not just business coaching, but coaching. As I mean, the, the world, everybody's a coach right now. And so it's to differentiate, be different, be unique and be special out there. So if you're going to work with a particular type of, not just industry sector, but uh, you know, personality type, what type of people do you want to help? And then that, that's job number one. And then secondly, be really clear on what qualifies you to be the coach, because 
the, the, yes, you can be trained. You can have, you know, you can go down the, the ICF route, which is really good. You know, go and get certified and this sort of thing. But what people tend to look for, in my experience, when they when they speak to me, is what they look at is my background. And because I've been in business and through business, different sectors and all this sort of thing, I sort of you know earn the stripes to a certain extent. Gives a little bit of I suppose credibility into mm-hmm. what I do. Had our own business as well, so check on the on the background credibility. And the third thing would be before you're in the coaching business, you're in the sales and marketing business. Before you do any coaching, you've got to be visible. You've got to be good on stage or networking or video or social media. And you've got to, be able to sit down with somebody and, and, and pitch and actually close a deal and get them excited about what you're doing. So get good at sales and marketing. There's a lot of, I think there's a lot of great coaches out there that are fabulous coaches, but they don't get the clients they deserve because they're not, that great at the sales and marketing. It's like a dirty word for them, which mm-hmm. is a shame. So be prepared to get down and dirty with the sales and marketing as well, I think. Yeah, and I think that that, that would apply to any business owner, like we said earlier, like no matter what you're, what you're doing, selling, you know, that, that's the key, especially at the beginning to get off the ground. Uh, very cool. So David, you, you've spent a lot of time helping a lot of businesses over the years. Mm. Um, are there any key we'll call them issues or struggles or areas where you see a lot of businesses or business owners kind of falling flat. And, and what is it that you're telling them? I know that's kind of a big question, but maybe, you know, the top couple. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think if there's a, I'm sorry, if there's a common thread, I think num- the, the, the most common thing that I find is people confuse sales with cash. So they, they believe they've got the strong sales later, they're invoicing people, but they're not collecting the cash. The debtor book is too high and they run out of cash. And that's probably the, the most common thing that applies in just about every business, if you like. So you know, manage your cash, get good at collections, make sure you're invoicing the right sort of things at the right time. But I suppose the, the, the other thing is the, the passion goes out of it. You know, I, I see people, they, they start a business they have this excitement and enthusiasm for it because it enables them to have this freedom. And after a period of time, it just overwhelms them and they lose the energy, they lose the passion, they lose the drive. It becomes worse than the job they had before because yeah. now they're, they're working for, they're not working for an idiot anymore, but now they're working for a complete psychopath because they're working <laughs> for themselves. So it's worse than they were before. So yeah. part of it is the getting the excitement and enthusiasm back and, and creating the the potential for them to, to, to achieve the, the dreams they had when they first started to make that possible again. And then when the energy comes back, then they can start to do better work. So I think it's that getting the energy back and get, keeping the dream alive, if you like, which sounds a little bit, you know, crystal gazing and tree huggy, but I think it is that it's keeping the yeah. dream alive and enabling it to happen and you know, giving them hope that they can actually achieve something significant. Right. And what do you think are the, are the keys to doing that? Obviously having a coach is, is one great way to address that because I find one of, one of the big struggles, especially as a solopreneur is it, it is a grind, right? There, there's a reason I call this podcast, uh, the name, you know, it's, it's for a reason and it can be very difficult, especially when you're working by yourself to keep that excitement, that motivation, especially because, you know, it takes months and months and months to, to even get it rolling. So what, what would you say, other than, of course, working with an awesome coach, uh, other tips that, uh, that individuals could, could try to kind of keep that passion going? I think, I think that a lot of people undersell themselves, when they, certainly when they start out. 
and they do free stuff and discounted stuff and they do all that. Now, a little bit of that is okay. I mean, I'll, I'll speak for free on events and stage and workshops, but I find that they, they hold themselves back in terms of their, their value. And a lot of people in business, there are a lot of great people out there that are just working for, you know, five bucks an hour pretty much or three bucks. Mm-hmm. If you're working out, their hourly rate is really low. And it's just that's when this, the grind, as you call it, absolutely sets in. And a lot of people undersell themselves. And I remember it came to me, we were in the UK, we were doing a workshop over there. And we were driving from um, Manchester down to the coast, the south coast of the UK, driving past uh, Oxford, and everybody knows a geography, but Oxford in the UK. And a call came through and this guy said, I know you're in the UK, any chance you can do an after dinner talk for us? It's in Oxford, It's a, you know, we'll have dinner, you and your wife have dinner, stay overnight at the hotel. We want just a 35 minute, 40 minute motivational talk for the guys, can you do that? As it happens, I could, you know, we were literally passing by, we could. Then he mm-hmm. said these magic words, he said, look, I haven't got a big budget for this. I haven't got much money. I haven't got a big budget. So in my mind, I'm thinking, um, we're going we're to work for beer again. You know, we're going to have dinner with a glass of wine. We'll do it for nothing. And mm-hmm. I was thinking, and before I could actually say anything to him, he said, we've only got two grand. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. And, I was, and I was like, I was literally speaking, I thought, two grand for 20 minutes or half an hour. Yeah. And so the words I said, I chose them really carefully. I said to him, well, that's not my normal fee, but I'll make an exception for you. He went, you're brilliant, genius, you're a rock star, thank you so much. And yeah. it wasn't my normal my normal fee because it was a lot higher than <laughs> yeah. But it taught me a lesson in that you know, the, the value that people place on what we do can be higher than we perceive it to be as well mm-hmm. as lower. So if you're speaking to the right people, not that you're going to rip them off, but when you speak to the right people that are in your target, they do value what you do and they'll pay you handsomely for it if you do a great job so not to undersell don't undersell yourselves do some free stuff if you need to get on stage and talk anywhere but recognize that the value you bring is higher than maybe we perceive it to be the first time around right and and one other kind of subtle sales tip i took from that story is sometimes just shut up and let people talk because they'll uh (laughs) it might actually do better selling than you could by opening your mouth anyways that's a really funny story don't break the deal by your stay style rather than open your mouth and uh, break the deal i've learned that lesson as well exactly exactly david this has been awesome uh learning about your your journey and, and more about your expertise couple last questions uh number one i'm very curious your bookshelf trumps mine. Can you talk about two or three from that large stack behind you that you, you know, maybe are your favorites or that you really recommend to solopreneurs that are out there? Oh, right. Okay. Um, okay. Without, without looking at the bookshelf, I'll go for um, a book called Influence by uh, Robert Cialdini. Um, yeah. It is quite well known, but it's probably the best sales and marketing book in the world, although it's not a sales and marketing book. I think mm-hmm. it's probably the one I would go for. I would go for um, a book called Alchemy by Rory Sutherland, who is the CEO and founder of Ogilvy, the advertising agency. And he's talking about um, basically psychology again, but of influence and persuasion from a marketing and sales perspective. Mm. And I think then I would go for, I'll go for a I'll go for good to great. I think that's a very Jim Collins, another fabulous book on mm-hmm. terms of mindset and what stumbles people over from growing their business. So I think those would be the three that I would, uh, they, they, they flash into my mind first, if you like. Awesome. I, I've read one and three. I have not even heard of two, so I'm going to have to look into okay, that. Okay, well, great. Then. They're, they're worth it. They're worth a read. They really are. 
Awesome. Awesome. Uh, David, what would you say, a lot of our, our listeners are either at the very beginning or, or early stages of business. It can be tough, even just deciding if solopreneurship is right for you. Do you have kind of one or two general pieces of advice you would tell to solopreneurs or, or future solopreneurs that are, that are out there right now? Um, yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think the thing is, as, as I found, the mistake I made was I, 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 my goal was to get away from the boss I didn't like and start a business, which is one way of doing it, but be clear on what, you, what you're moving into. Yes, you may want to get away from a, the job or whatever it is, but have a clarity of vision. What do you want the, the business to look like? Um, have, be, be able to fund it. Have some cash because too many people go into business with zero um, liquidity and that's tough. So get a bit of cash, make sure you can live for a few months with no income um, uh, and, or do it parallel, you know, test it out, do it as a, a sort of side hustle, get, prove the model out first on somebody else's dollar and, you know, do six months of that while you're still working or something, which is a huge amount of work, but at least you to get the groundwork done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when, when you do it, then you know, get good at marketing and sales. Yes, you need to have a fabulous product, but learn how to sell because that's, the, I think that of all the people that I'm in for smaller companies that I deal with, the ability to market, promote and sell themselves is one of the key defining factors in their success. Yes, you've got to be able to be good at what you do, hold relationships and deliver fabulous value. But if you can't sell and market it, you're never going to get out of the blocks. So I think that we'll focus on that as well. Got it. Those are great pieces of advice. David, thank you again for coming on the show. This has been great. If people want to hear more about you or learn more about you and, and the company, where do you suggest that they, uh, that they check you out? Oh, f- um, find me on LinkedIn. Is part of the, I'm, there, I'm all over LinkedIn. Please find me there. And uh, the website is resultsrulesok.com. But uh, yeah, LinkedIn, please join up. Have a look at what we get up to. It'd be good to, good to hear any thoughts and questions. Awesome. And we'll have links to both of those in the description. If you're watching live, the website's right on the page right now. David, thanks again for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thank you. Take care and stay safe over there. Hey everyone, Josh here checking in just one last time. Wanted to say thanks so much for listening to the podcast episode. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. And if you want to keep getting more of the Solopreneur Grind content, make sure to join the email list. What I do is send three emails a week with additional content such as what's going on in the background of my solopreneur journey, insights I'm having on business, and updates when new podcast episodes like these come out as well. It's free. It always will be. The link to join is in the description of whatever podcast platform you're listening this to on. Really hope to have you on the list and continuing to share these awesome solopreneur journeys and insights with you as well. Have a great day and hope to see you soon.